Thank you, Jesus. Man. There's nothing, nothing better than him. Nothing better than being in the presence of God. Amen. Well, I want to preach something to you tonight and bless you with a word. So get your Bibles out. And if you would go to the book of Acts chapter 2. This is still Pentecost week. Has some things I want to tell you. Holy Ghost wants to share with you. I want to start reading. I want to read a little bit here. So I'm in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with they were all with one accord in one place. Now, think about this for a minute. Okay. You, you, you kind of have to put yourself in that situation, put yourself in, in, in what was going on. Okay. We, we're, we're talking about here in Jerusalem. It had been a little while. I don't know exactly to, to tell you exactly how long, but it had been 40 plus days since the resurrection right? Uh, 50 days since Passover. So somewhere in that period of time was when Pentecost was going to happen. So killing Jesus in the town square was pretty much fresh in everybody's mind. Y'all with me? The church had just got through killing Jesus. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees had all just got together. So those religious guys, all those people that were involved in all that, they were still around. They were in church. So the disciples, you know, it wasn't just 12, it was 120 plus, had been up, they'd been praying. First, they'd been in fear, wondering what was going to happen, right? Didn't know if they were going to get crucified, didn't know what was going to take place. But then it's Pentecost Sunday, they're going to go to church, right? So they venture in amongst a crowd that, I mean, how do you say it? I mean, they, they weren't very nice. Right? They're, 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 they're venturing into a hostile environment. Everything that you would technically think that would keep God from moving in a church service, they were in. There were people that were still hating them. Look, there's old Peter. Goes over there. Who's he think he is? What well, he's going to cause? Yeah, we showed him. We killed Jesus out there, you know. I mean, this kind of attitude was in this place, in this group. So, but it's the day of Pentecost. And suddenly, everybody see suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire set upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So God just comes right down in the midst of chaos and suddenly just an instant does what he wants to do. And so what I'm saying is, I really believe like we're in a time right now, I, I shared a couple of, I don't know when it was, I lose track of time. But I was talking about the 40-year cycle. And, and, you know, we're back into this period in time that, you know, we're looking around and saying, oh, no, what's going on? What are they doing? And, oh, gosh, we're going to get over here. But suddenly God can do anything. We never, as Christians, need to give up on that. We never need to stop. We may think he needed to do it last week, Right. We may want him to hurry up and do something, but the bottom line is we need to always be faithful Christians that are standing around saying, but God, you can do what you want to when you want to, and whenever you want to is going to be the right timing. Not my timing, but his timing. And suddenly God can just step in there 
And now all of a sudden, everybody's sitting there fire on their head. I mean, they just looked around and said, well, Sally, you got fire on top of your head, you know? I mean, it's a tongue of fire. Hello? I mean, that's a wild service. And then everybody's speaking in tongues. Okay, so here we go. Verse 5, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when the sound, when this sound, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking their own language. So, so it's a debate here of what went on. You know, I believe that the that the the, the disciples, the the all the people that were there on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on, they were speaking in tongues in 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 a, in a language they didn't even know what was going on. I just believe they were speaking in tongues. And, but everybody was hearing. So there's another supernatural event going on. And they were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, aren't these, these guys all Galatians? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrenes. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. Now, here we go. You see, I believe that when people are being uh, useful fools, like Sunday's message, I'm glad to see y'all weren't so offended you couldn't come back to church. Uh, I, when, when, when they're being used as tools of the devil and listening to the whisper of the devil, all of a sudden, I mean, it was in these other people. They heard them speaking the wonderful works of God. Now, even though the event wasn't happening to them, the speaking in tongues part, but they were still hearing what God was doing. I believe we're coming into a time we're going to see that. I believe we're coming into a time very shortly that no matter what, all the people jumping up and down, all the people trying to lead and go down the opposite direction, all of a sudden they're going to be confronted and hear the word of God that it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. what's going on here? So I'm saying, I, I, yeah, they're, they're declaring the wonderful works of God. And it's going to come from people that are just common people. All right? It's going to come from just common people. Now let's read on. So they were amazed and perplexed and, and said, whatever could this mean? And others mocked, ah, they're just all drunk. That was their thinking. I've been in some pretty wild Pentecostal meetings, but I never thought everybody was drunk. Crazy, but not drunk. And it says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and he said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now he begins to quote the prophet Joel. And it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So, you know, the one thing I love to do is have the Bible interpret the Bible rather than me trying to interpret the Bible. When the Bible interprets the Bible, I mean, what are you going to argue with, right? So Peter here is saying this is the fulfillment of what Joel spoke about. This is the pouring out of the Spirit, right? But he also says something there. According to Peter, he's declaring that it was the start of the last days. They'll see that? So we have the dispensation of of grace coming in, Jesus, the resurrection, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and then now the day of Pentecost has come, and then Peter stands up and he's declaring, this is the fulfillment of, the, of what Joel spoke about. 
and we have just entered the last days. That was 2,000 years ago. But he declared that was the start of it. We entered it then. So if you're wondering when the last days are, are we in the last days? Yeah, we're in the last days, according to Peter, right there, it started 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. We entered into the last days, right? So how long do the last days last and all that kind of stuff? Well, I don't know. We'll figure it out when it ends. But right now, I just want to bring out the point that he said it started then. And one of the signs of the last days was, is, look, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters they shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men's sermons and on my maid's sermons, I'll pour my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. They'll show wonders in heavens above, sign on the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor, and smoke. Sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming in the great and awesome day of the Lord. It shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't we having an event tonight with the moon? Isn't it tonight? It was this morning or is it tonight? So I'm glad we're all in agreement that we really have seen and know the sign of the time. It was this morning? Okay. Did anybody see it? Because it was cloudy. Okay. So anyway, it happened, and we didn't see it. But anyway, what my point is here is what I'm trying to say is, is that God said, man, Peter is declaring, Joel said, last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. There's going to be signs and wonders. There's going to be things happening, right? But the bottom line was, he says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Never had there been until the day of Pentecost, had there been this place where the spirit of God could come and dwell in man and be the temple of the living God, right? 1 Corinthians 3.16, that we would be the temple of the living God, and the spirit of the God would live on and dwell on the inside of us. God had been waiting for this event. This is the day. This is the, the celebration. Boom, the Holy Ghost comes to earth, boom, in such a way, and fills the believers. Why? Because of what Jesus did for us. Through his blood, he made us righteous. Now, I want to show you something. Hold your finger there and look over at Romans chapter uh, 10. Romans 10, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the church at Rome, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that you may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So Paul says here, the problem with the Jews and what was going on is that they wanted, they had a zeal for God. They wanted to do good. They wanted to do right. But the problem was they weren't doing it with knowledge. So they were really trying to establish their own righteousness. In other words, we want God and we want to serve you, but we want to do it our way and you cooperate with us. Does that even, that, that sounds kind of familiar. Hello? That sounds real familiar. And Paul said, the problem is, is you weren't seeking God upon the laws of his righteousness, which was what? He goes on in the chapter to say, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That will enter you into righteousness. So, so Paul's telling the, the, the Roman church here, years later after Pentecost, he said, look, righteousness was established by your faith and belief in Jesus. Okay, so go back to Acts 2. So Acts chapter 2, 
they're experiencing it for the first time, that man can be filled with the Spirit of God. All right? So then he goes on. So then Peter gets all stirred up in verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested by God, to whom does miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in the midst of you as yourself also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and by the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by your lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, now he quotes Psalm 16, I forestore the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad, moreover my flesh also rested in hope. For you will not leave your soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the way of life and will make me full of joy in your presence. Then he goes on preaching, talks about this, men and brethren, so just skip down to verse 31. He foreseeing this spoken concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised from this has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured it out. This which you now see and hear. So he's telling them what happened in the realm of the spirit. He's declaring from the scriptures what took place. He said, this Jesus you killed. He was the lamb of God. He was the righteous one. He ascended to heaven. He went up the right hand of the throne of God. God has always promised he was going to do this. We know Ezekiel 36 tells us this. We know that the Old Testament scriptures were all there. He said, Jesus got it. Now he's poured it out. And this is what you see taking place. Now, just think about what a shock that must have been to the religious leaders. Here is this rough fisherman just throwing down, preaching, quoting word, just nailing it, right? And what are they going to say? Well, let's look what happened. 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So Peter says, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So he tells them, here's the answer. Repent, get baptized. And then the gift of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, if you go look up that word gift, you know what it means? A gift. But the thing that makes it special is it's a gift. It's, it's truly a pure gift. It's not, a, it's not going to a, a restaurant and double tipping the waitress. She did something and you blessed her, right? It's a gift that was given and there was nothing that was coming back for it or you did nothing for it. It was all one-sided. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot to do with my salvation, right? All I did was accept what was handed and given to me. Each and every one of us did. And Jesus did it all. Even going to heaven and getting the Holy Spirit and coming back out and pouring the Holy Spirit out on this earth 
for us all. He did it all. So it is a gift. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Right? Okay. So, so then he says, and with this and many other words, he testified them in verse 40 and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word and were baptized that day were about 3,000 souls. 3,000. 3,000 people, boom, got saved because of this. <clears throat> you see how quickly God can turn something around? When it's all his timing and you're following him. Now, this is what I want to show you something in here. You can't find anywhere in the scriptures that all the apostles got up that morning and said, let's go today's Pentecost Sunday and God's going to he's going to perform Joel chapter two. He, Peter wasn't over there with his iPad writing up the message. OK, I want to use Joel chapter two and then I'm going to go to uh, Psalm 16 and then I'm going to pull out the scripture over here in Isaiah. He wasn't putting it all in there and getting it a sermon already for that message. They just went over there, Pentecost Sunday, probably feeling like they were maybe get killed, probably feeling like something was going to happen. Somebody was going to say something ugly. Uh, what are they going to have? They're going to react to us coming to church. They probably sneaked into church. And then the next thing you know, man, the meeting zone. People got fire sitting on top of their heads. Everybody's saying, look at that. Everybody's speaking in tongues. Everybody's going on. Everybody else is standing outside saying, what are we going? We're hearing all these wonderful works of God. Can you imagine what they were saying? I mean, think about this. This is, whole, this is Holy Spirit-inspired languages coming out of the mouths or causing the people to hear. And the people that are speaking have no idea what they're saying. They weren't saying, you're marvelous, you're wonderful, you're great, you always keep the word. They had no idea what they're saying. They're just speaking in tongues. And the people are hearing literally heaven's sermon coming out of their mouths. Again, all God needed was some vessels. Are you seeing what I'm, what I'm trying to get here? They were not perfect. They weren't all prayed up. They didn't know what was going to happen. They weren't. They were fearful. They were just saying, oh, God, what's going on? What are we going to do? I mean, they even went to shooting dice to figure out who was going to replace Judas. I mean, these guys weren't the sharpest faith-filled tax in the box. You with me? And now they're all, they're all there, and they're, just, they're hearing, and everybody's declaring the wonderful works of God. Well, just think about this, Okay. So if somebody over there is just like shocked and he's understanding in his language, but you don't understand that language, you wouldn't know what was happening. You'd only understand your language. Follow me? So everybody's all like, oh, freaking out. And he's, these are the wonderful works of God. So it's a Holy Spirit inspired message going out and saying, I can't even imagine what it was. I can't imagine what they heard. Because if it came from heaven, heaven always sends down something that's greater than we could ever imagine. So this message was being declared, and then the people hear it, and then they just immediately get converted. They immediately, they're like, what do we have to do to be saved? 3,000 people, boom. Next thing you know, you got a church of 3,000. You went in scared. You went don't know how you're going to get out of it. Next thing you know, you got a church of 3,000 saying, what are we going to do? Or if we read on. We read on down here. 
Uh, 42, it says, So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I'm just telling you, they didn't go to church that morning expecting to come out of there with a 3,000-strong church full of power, signs, and wonders. They went over there fearful and came out victorious because of God. Now all who were believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and divided them among them all as anyone had need. They They didn't design this. This is Holy Spirit inspired. The next thing you know, Peter's just standing there and people are coming up and just throwing money and saying, here, 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 do this, we sold that land over there, we did this, we did that. And he's just like saying, what is going on? Now here's my point tonight. It's always easier to follow God than it is to try to get God to follow you. It's always easier just to go along and say, they're piling the money up. And so Peter would just have to sit there and say, hmm, okay. Well, I guess you want us to do something with this, huh? Acts chapter 6, they don't know what to do. They're feeding. Now it's turned into food distribution. It came from this offerings right here. They don't know what to do. And Peter says, look, man, it's all I can do to pray and read the word and try to keep up with what the Lord's doing. I can't go out there to settle the disputes. Get seven men, get them full of the Holy Ghost, and send them out and let them do it. You see, spirit-filled people who will follow what Jesus is doing can do amazing things. Religious people trying to get Jesus to do what they want him to is disaster. And I believe what we're going to have to do is start to learn to follow the Holy Spirit, learn to follow what and see what Jesus is doing. And just follow that, because that's what's going to bring success. That's what's going to bring victory. That's what's going to help people. I know that, you know, through everything we went through with COVID and starting to do the broadcast and then developing into where we are today, um, I wouldn't have done it had there not been COVID. I wouldn't have. I mean, we had the, 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 the podcast going. I just said, anybody wants to listen, just go do it. That's what we're doing. But then we went to a live feed and it changed. And now all of a sudden we're getting all this feedback and people are watching from all over the world and things are taking place and it's changed everything in the ministry and more people are being blessed and more people are being touched. But I wouldn't have done it. At least I'd have been forced into it. But now I'm having to sit back and say, okay, Jesus, this is what you want to do. How do we continue to go on? What do you want us to do? So we got to find out all those things in our own personal lives too. Lord, what are you wanting us to do? And follow him. And when you do that, you're going to, have, you're going to see success because you're following him, not trying to get him to follow you and do what you want. And that's what took place on the day of Pentecost. Peter was just sharp enough that day to capitalize on seeing what God was going to say. This is, this is Joel because he already had the word in him. This is what Joel said over there. Oh, man, this is, this is Psalm 16 over here. He just saw it, and he just walked in it, and 3,000 people could say, the early church's birth, glory starts taking off. God has his way. Amen? So I guess tonight you need to really ask yourself, 
Are you following Jesus or are you trying to get him to follow you? And when you get that down on the inside of you, then you're going to see success. You're going to see victory. Amen? Amen. So I want to pray for you. Everybody out there watching, everybody in here, I want to pray for you. And I want to bless you tonight. And I just believe with all of my heart that God is doing something great. And if you'll just just read over this, read Acts chapter 2, read Acts chapter 3, where the 5,000 get saved. And Peter says, now the times of refreshing are going to come upon you. It's freedom and it's refreshing to walk with the Lord when he's doing it. It's work, it's hard, it's, it's difficult when you're trying to make it happen yourself. And so we need that freedom. And so I know that the times may look troubled. I know that there may be some things going on in life and around you, and all the distractions and trying to cause you problems. But listen to me. Find Jesus. See what he's doing and get in the middle of it. And it'll all be good. So why don't we stand? And let me just pray and bless you tonight. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name. That, Lord, this message goes forth to people, people that have been striving and fighting and, 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 and crying out and saying, God, weren't you doing this or weren't you doing that? That tonight that chain will be broken off of them in Jesus' name. That yoke of bondage will be broken off of them, and they will clearly see, Lord God, that you are the one who does, does the moving, and we're supposed to be following along. And, Lord, that we'll see it. We'll see it clearly in our lives. We'll see where we've been striving where we need to just get in a flow with you. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. I ask you to bless them. Let them see it like they've never seen it before. Let there be peace and grace come upon the people this night, Lord God. Lord, I ask you to bless their finances. I ask you to bless their businesses. I ask you in this time to just pour out your goodness upon us, Lord God. That, Lord, Nehemiah 2 and 8 will truly be coming to pass, that the good hand of God will be upon us. And so, Lord, we're not going to have to worry about anything. So, Lord, bless them this night. Comfort them this night, and I thank you for them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.